You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 368. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great Thursday show for you and a great podcast, your weekly podcast for you. Dave Neal, power recapper in Bachelor Nation, also has a podcast twice a day now, morning and night, The Bachelor Rush Hour, soon to be father, soon to be relocating to Nashville. We got a lot to talk about with Dave in today's podcast, and we will get to that momentarily. So just to preview for you, we are going to spend 30 to 40 minutes in this podcast talking about the Clayton case. And the reason we are is because Dave is directly involved now since Jane Doe, the woman in question, is now going after Dave for reporting on this. I mean, you could ask, like, Steve, this is ridiculous. What do you mean she's going after him and suing him? Yeah, she is. She's basically filing a temporary restraining order saying that Dave is harassing her, which, you know, form your own decision on that and make your own opinion on what you think Dave is doing. Dave is covering a show and covering a story within Bachelor Nation, and she considers it harassment to where she's filing a temporary restraining order against him. He's got a court date, I believe, in two weeks or about 11 days to answer to. I don't even know what he has to do. I'm so There's so many things going on. But we do spend 30 to 40 minutes going over it. And it's, you know, look, to talk about this whole thing and everything that's happened over the last two months since this woman went public with the story, it would take hours to go over everything. But I think we do a good job in this 30 to 40 minutes um, talking about it on this podcast. The podcast is over an hour and 15 minutes, but 30 to 40 minutes is spent. And it's a condensed version talking about what's happened with him, what's happened with Clayton. Just just yesterday, yet another newsworthy item in this case involving Clayton and Jane Doe. Um, we we, We go over that. We go over the ramifications of it. We go over what she is doing to Dave, what... There's just so much, and obviously Dave does videos every day, and uh, I'd say he's done over 50 videos on the Clayton situation. Obviously, we can't go over every single one, but he gives a good breakdown. I think we do a good job of kind of giving you the Cliff Notes version. If you've just kind of been in and out or you haven't given it your full attention, you pretty much get the Cliff Notes version today of all the things that she has said and done and where she stands right now and, you know, I want to say kind of what we predict is going to happen, but with her, impossible to predict what we're going to happen. I, I just throw your hands up in the air because nobody knows. And at this point, anything is fair game. Really, it is. I talk about it briefly on my daily roundup, which has been posted already, if you want to check that out in the feed. But um, some of the other things we talk about, uh, I do mention the whole Taylor Swift winning time person of the year. Not so much the fact that she won it, which I think is great, considering you look at the past winners of that thing. It's a very prestigious award, and it's usually won by, like, presidents, world leaders. I mean, the fact that a pop star won that shows how big of an influence her brand has. Not just her singing, 
they didn't pick her for person of the year because she cuts on because she puts on a cool concert. Has nothing to do with that. Go and do yourself a favor. Carve out about 15 minutes out of your day today and read the article that you know, Time named her the person of the year. That means they did an interview with her, a sit-down interview with her in her home. A lot of topics are covered. I I beg you to go read it. It's so much more than, oh, she re-recorded her albums. How cool of her. Like, no. There's so much more in there, so much more about her. Kind of shows the kind of person that she is and why they, she won this award. Why is she so relevant? Why... Is she the most dominant woman in all of America right now in probably almost any walk of life? The most popular, she, I mean, she can't move without every single movement being reported by entertainment sites. It's a really, really good article, but it's very long, and it should be. This is a full piece. This isn't like something you would read in Us Weekly or People or something like that where it's six or seven paragraphs. It took me, I think, 15 to 20 minutes to read the whole thing, and I didn't stop. It's just a lot to read, and but you need to read it. I think it's really important, and I think it's a, it was a great piece done by Time on her. You just get to know a little bit more about her. If if you're just one of these people that sees her name all the time everywhere and whether or not you've been to a concert or not, but you're just sick of seeing her name everywhere, this piece kind of gives you the background of why she is where she is today, why she's risen to stardom. Go read it. You'll definitely thank me for it later. But we talk. I talk about that, um, not 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 the article itself, but more or less. While it is impressive, clearly that she won Times Person of the Year. The other thing that I'm most impressed about what Taylor Swift is able to do almost on a daily basis, and I talk about that in the daily roundup. So check that out if you haven't already. Talk about Survivor's episode last night. We talk about the Squid Game finale. I don't know if a lot of you know. Maybe you thought they were going to release it earlier in the day, like they did for the first two drops the last two weeks. Squid Game finale wasn't released until 9 p.m. Eastern time last night. So if you haven't watched it, then you might want to skip that part of the Daily Roundup today because I do go over everything that happened in the finale with the three finalists, Mai and Phil and Sam. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but if you're interested in my thoughts on everything that happened last night in the finale, go listen to that. They have been renewed for a Season 2, so we are going to get a Season 2 of Squid Game The Challenge, which will be cool, but... I get my thoughts on it, and while I like the show, it doesn't and never will surpass my competition shows that I've always vouched for, The Challenge, Survivor, even Big Brother, um, because there's one aspect of those shows that The Squid Game will never have. So get my thoughts on that, and obviously we, you know, I, I do preview, you know, the or I do talk about what's kind of coming in this podcast with with Dave and you know the story that he had yesterday that he basically broke of what the latest development in the family court case involving Clayton and Jane Doe ha- happened yesterday. <laughs> it's a head scratcher, I'll tell you that much. So Dave and I talk about it in this episode. You'll talk about it pretty much uh fair, I'd say in the beginning for sure. So um, look forward to that uh, for this particular podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, 
vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Eat clean the delicious way this December with flavor-packed recipes like buttery lemon garlic shrimp, harissa apricot chicken, maple butternut squash risotto, and sriracha tamari beef bowls. Go to greenchef.com slash 60realitysteve and use code 60realitysteve to get 60% off, plus you're going to get an extra 20% off your next two months. Greenchef.com slash 60realitysteve, 60, and use code 60realitysteve to get 60% off, plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 368. Okay, let's bring him in. Um, you know him as uh, he's a stand-up comedian. He's a Bachelor Nation power recapper on YouTube. He's got the Bachelor Rush Hour podcast in the morning now and at night. He's everywhere. It's Dave Neal. Dave, what's up? That's right. It's old Big Daddy Dave coming in. <laughs> you know, Dave, I thought I was the hardest working man in the podcast world with 11 podcasts a week. Are, are you trying to top me here? You're up to you're up to 10 now with one in the morning and one at night. Like, slow down. Uh, I want to keep well, my record I- here. I uh, I don't mind working hard when I'm playing by myself. Like I I could never do that many interviews, but it's just me talking yeah. to the camera. You know what I mean? It's nothing. Um. Okay. So right off the bat, um, congratulations to you and your wife Tasha uh, are pregnant with a baby boy on the way. Um, I've got two questions to start off with regarding it. One, have you decided? how you want to monetize baby Neil right off the bat. Do we have, <laughs> do we have an IG account set up already where the baby is going to be writing us messages when they're like one hour old? Do we have that yet or no? You're not going to go that route. Well, well, uh, yeah, we got, we're live streaming the ultrasound right now. <laughs> um, we got our, we just got our vlog channel like monetized and we're not really going to, I think we're going to take like the Thomas and Becca approach where we're not going to really show too much of the baby, but we'll share like, being parents, you know, I, I can't say, you know, it's not, no one cares to see my baby's face, but someone had, someone had said the reason why influencers don't share their baby's face is because all of the people online will call the baby ugly. And it's just so, it's just so infuriating. Um, so I feel like for that reason alone, we're going to probably keep that, that aspect private. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, we see it. Some do, some have no problem sharing their baby's face. I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm, you know, Jen Saviano, Tia Booth, uh, there's some Ashley Spivey. They've shown their baby since the day it was born. And then some like Becca and Thomas just choose not to. It's to each their own. There's no right or wrong way to do it. But yes, if you do show your baby's face, inevitably, there'll be at least one troll out there that at some point will make a comment about your baby being not very attractive, whether they are or not. Obviously, you're going to think your baby's the most attractive baby in the world. And somebody will say something to the contrary, and it's just going to ruin your day, I would think. Oh, I mean, I already go kind of crazy. I would drive to, I would totally drive to a troll's house, like, um, you know, uh, publisher's clearinghouse style and just knock their front door down if that <laughs> happened. I would just, I mean, these, like, I, I guess what I've learned is I'm just a justice person, and I want everyone to be held accountable and on the same playing field. So if that means someone wants to talk shit to me at my work, I want to go out to their work and talk shit to them. And I think that's fair. I don't. People get so, oh, you're platforming this hate or whatever, and it's like, no, I just want it all to be a fair game. 
I totally agree. And it's something that we've, you know, I dealt with it today and it wasn't like major harassment or anything like that, but I tweeted out earlier today because I had talked about it on my daily roundup this morning, which I recorded last night. I said, Hey, Taylor Swift is up for time person of the year. Look at these other eight that she's up against. I think she should win this. I think these other people are like Vladimir Putin was up for time person of the year. Like I don't follow politics all that much, but if I'm not mistaken, this guy kills people in his own country and literally is killing people in Ukraine and wants to take over a, another whole country. Like, why was this guy even on the short list for time person of the year? But anyway, that well, well, well. To be fair, Taylor is just killing people at her concert. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, that's, that's no, that, no. I love Taylor. It's not her fault. The only thing they got against Taylor is she's uh, using a little bit of that jet fuel. But you know, all things considered, I love Taylor Swift. I love how powerful she is. I absolutely love her like dating story with Travis Kelsey. I, I just wish it was with a Patriot, you know, I'm a new England fan, yeah. but I, I always wanted to hate Travis Kelsey, but I, I really like him and his brother. Now I think they're, they're really fun. And their podcast. Well, it's taken off just as, I mean, it's, it's gaining in listens just because the Taylor fans want to listen to it, even though they know nothing about football, most of them, but it's you know it's gained in popularity. The ratings for Kansas City Chiefs games have gone up. Like the Swift effect is is a real thing. But oh um, yeah, it's you know yeah, I mean, so- you you've got you've got like mayors begging Taylor Swift to come to the game because it's going to sell the hotels out that week. Like it's yeah. it's ridiculous. So I, I put out the tweet. You know I I said last night I speculated like hey by the time you listen to my podcast in the morning we're probably already going to have the winner has been announced of who the time person of the year is. And it just so happened to be Taylor, so I took Time's tweet and reposted it. And some guy uh, with the Twitter handle ClintRock34 just writes underneath my tweet, Trashy Whore. And then I go to ClintRock34's Twitter account, and he says the very first line in his Twitter bio, Dad to a beautiful little girl. And, you know, I called him out for it, and within two minutes... He had blocked me, which is kind of funny because Clint Rock 34, I didn't know who you were until you wrote trashy whore on my Twitter timeline. So you blocking me is kind of funny because I don't care to see any of your stuff. I didn't know who you were before yesterday morning. So it's just it's just funny and stuff like that. And I had no problem calling him out. I should have taken uh, because right now, if you go to my tweet calling him out, his tweet is missing, so you don't even know what he said. I should have taken a screenshot of it and used that as the picture and said, you know, I, and I basically called him out and said, oh, typical, you know, beautiful little girl, setting a great example for your daughter. Great job, you know. Um, that's what I mean. It's just I have no problem calling these people out because they're the ones that bring it upon themselves. Yeah, and then and then the, and then they kind of it always backfires. And I had someone recently uh, say, say to someone else, oh, I hate Dave Neal. He deserves, you know, all the court stuff. He deserves it. Because he was mean to me, uh, and I and I was like, please provide receipts. I'd love to, I'd love to know where I went out of my way to be mean to a random person who wasn't asking for it as like an entitled little bitch. Yeah. Uh, because that's it's just. But a lot of people don't realize because like on stage as a comedian, if I go too hard on a heckler, then the audience will hate me. So I'm well aware. I think in the 10, 12 years I've done stand up. Only a couple times I've gone like too hard on someone and lost the crowd. I'm well aware of like where that line is. And I don't think coming after someone who's being a dick with their same energy is a bad thing. But, you know, uh, you know, people 
they, they, they don't, maybe they don't know the tone they come off, but obviously in your case, that guy was just being, um, you know, unreasonable. And it's just hilarious because, and I even said it in my tweet, I said the only thing missing from his bio was a Bible verse because it's always somebody who has something in their bio that completely contradicts what they just put out there for the world to see. This guy talks about the first line in his Twitter bio says, dad to a beautiful little girl. And yet all it was was, hey, Taylor Swift got named Time Person of the Year. That's a huge fucking deal. And this guy's response was trashy whore. You know, it's like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's always someone who's got like those church fall boots on, you know, those like high, high, uh, high need boots. And they've always got like grace in their username. It's always got like grace and peace. And it's like, (laughs) good God. I mean, these people literally think they're on the good side. And maybe, maybe like, he, I mean, how is Taylor Swift the problem? She's a trashy whore. She's like super conservative, no cleavage. She's dancing in long sundresses. Good golly. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, I felt he deserved to be called out for saying that. I'm glad, I, I just wish I would have, uh, instead of uh, quote tweeting his tweet because he deleted it and blo- or he blocked me, you know, minutes later. Um, I should have just taken a screenshot of it. But um, all right. Second question surrounding your child that is due. You guys are due in March, right? We're due on my birthday, May 1st. Oh, you're due May 1st. Okay. Yeah. If the Bachelorette is around in 22 years, roughly, will you be allowing your son to go on that show? That's a great question. I mean, if I did, I would for sure help them dust up their online presence. And, uh, you know, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I don't see why not, Um, you know, but it's usually people that are kind of rudderless. So I would hope he's not rudderless. But, you know, I'll say, yeah, I'll say I'm all on board with it. (laughs) And actually, now that I think about it, I've got a third question in regards uh, to your baby boy coming in May. How do we really know Tasha is pregnant? I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> maybe maybe you told us that she was, and maybe you invited people over for a gender reveal party this weekend, and maybe you've been to numerous doctors' appointments and seen a real sonogram and listened to a heartbeat. But hey, you know, you could be lying. You guys really pregnant, if, Dave? Is this is this if, all for show? Let me tell you this on the record: if you if you refuse to believe me, I will sue you. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, brings us to our next topic. Uh, the fact uh, we're still talking about we're still talking about Jane Doe and Clayton. The latest. Uh, this is great timing because we are recording this literally. I think two hours after you posted your most recent video, which you've gotten information in regards to Jane Doe and a paternity test, and her third paternity test is now once again showing little to no fetal DNA is present. So where do we go from here? How long before she strikes back and refutes this? Because we know she's not going to be like, throw her hands up. Oh, you got me. I've been fooling you guys for seven months. I've never been pregnant. We know that's not coming. So how long does it take for her to dispute this? I got an email from my lawyer literally so fast. I didn't even know the video was up yet. (laughs) I mean, it's almost like she's sitting on my couch listening to me live. I, I'm starting to think my wife might be leaking the story to her, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's so comical. We've talked about this. You've talked about this ad nauseum on your YouTube videos. I've brought it up anytime there's a new development in the case where I just shake my head. 
I mean, I have not heard from her since November 14th. I mean, we're coming up on almost a month where I have not received one email from her, which is a record since this all started. But to see now, you know, when, when the second hearing came out, the one that there's video of it out there, and then you did a YouTube video on it, that was on November 2nd. And at that hearing, she said, I, she said she was 24 weeks pregnant. Well, here we are on December 6th, so we're almost five weeks since November 2nd. So she's minimum 28 weeks pregnant, but coming up on 29 weeks pregnant. And yet she has submitted now a third paternity test that still has not shown and given any proof that Clayton Eckerd is the father of her children or that she's even fucking pregnant. Yet she continues to go after you for talking about this story. It is the most mind-numbing thing we've ever dealt with in the history of this franchise yeah i mean i well first of all i believe the 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 babies are just growing slowly because of the monster energy drink she's consuming (laughs) it's 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 almost like it's burning off too much at too many calories so that's why she's not showing that much no but it's um she 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 decided again as far as i can tell she got she's the one who chose where they do this DNA test. I mean, you can get DNA tests probably ordered with different diagnostic companies. And Ravgen, the company she ordered, apparently they just don't release any of the physical copies of the results. So if, and again, this is a big if, if she was to choose Ravgen, she would have been able to know beforehand whether or not they would expose her. And it appears that she's just going to go into full denial mode when each test comes back little to no DNA. Um, She was pressed on this on the court case by Clayton's lawyer, who, by the way, I I can say this because I think my wife has a crush on her too. Clayton's lawyer was so sexy in in her level of intelligence she had. I mean, she wasn't taking shit from anybody. And like, that's exactly what Clayton needed. You know, he just needed to be able to ask yes or no questions, shut her up when she refused to answer and really pin her into the corner. And I think she did just that. Oh yeah. I watched that whole video. I watched that whole 90 minute video. First, I listened to it when you released the audio version of it. And then once I received the CD version, which is amazing that the Arizona court system can't hook me up with a link, I have to get a CD delivered to me in the mail. But I watched all 90 minutes, and it was funny to watch the facial expressions. It was funny to watch this woman, Jane Doe, not be able to put herself, her whole face, into a camera for 90 minutes. Like, didn't even know how to use a, a, a webcam. I, I, and then, yeah, I thought, Clayton, I thought Clayton's lawyer absolutely destroyed it and destroyed her and made her look horrible. And it was just one of these things where you watch it now and you're just like, you you shake your head at the whole thing. And yeah, that was, it was unfortunate that that was just, you know, for his injunction against harassment against her. Because technically, as the judge said before she gave her decision, was like, look, whether or not this woman is pregnant or not, that's not for me to decide. This is, you know, a civil suit that will happen in family court. So she made that very clear. And that was the one disappointing thing. It was like, damn it, why won't this judge, I think this judge that handles this Clayton case it, it, probably when the, when the cameras were off or she's back home and talking to her husband, if she is married or talking to somebody about this case, she's got to be like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I'm a judge. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. I mean, if she has sons, she is t- totally telling them to be careful who they bang and, or, you know, have oral sex with. 
this is a real, I mean, a real interesting uh, example of what happens behind closed doors can just be manipulated or exaggerated. I mean, so, so she, so Jane Doe gets the order of protection served against Clinton. So he's not allowed to contact her, but, and even if he's in the right, I can understand why he doesn't want to make a TikTok video saying, hey, third test came back, no DNA. I can understand that because Jane Doe also is trying to um, uh, to get the police to come after Greg Gillespie for violating the order she has against him. So it's almost like she gets a, this is almost like the MO, right? She gets a protective order against a guy. And then she lies and he feels uncomfortable calling her out because then she's going to then say, oh, he's harassing me. And if you violate a protective order, you can you can spend six months in jail. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Well, the funniest thing that came out of the second hearing that I thought, for those that don't know, Greg Gillespie is a guy in Arizona that she went through the same kind of deal with. And she has claimed in the court of law that he forced her to have an abortion. She was pregnant. He forced her to have an abortion. That's obviously debatable because there's a court case that was essentially I don't even know where that court case stands right now. I think it's over. But for two years, it went on. Uh, well, he well, well, he claims she was never pregnant. She claims soccer. that because and, and again, this, this was in the court case. She claims that because he was coercing her to get an abortion, she didn't even need to take a pregnancy test because if it came back negative, she says, well, that would have just meant that I lost the babies anyway because of I was under duress because of him. So she had an answer for everything. Oh, she always does. I mean, we've seen the emails and we, she always does. The funny thing to me and the ironic thing to me is after Clayton's second hearing, where he had a lawyer and Greg Gillespie was in court that day to support Clayton and wasn't Clayton's lawyer, Greg Gillespie's lawyer. That woman was Greg Gillespie also represented Greg in his case against. I don't know if that woman did, but the overall law firm did. Yes. Okay. So it was after that hearing, which was the last email I got from Jane Doe. And she had said that, or maybe she didn't tell me, but she might have told you in an email, and I, I can't remember what, but she basically said that Greg violated his order of protection because he, because he showed up in court that day, but she wasn't even there. She was on Zoom. Like, how can you, like, he he violated his TRO by being in a place where you weren't? I, I'm, again, totally mind-blowing. Well, I thought, and, and again, she she may have made those claims, um, but she, when I paid, I paid the five dollars for the Scottsdale police report, which was probably the best five dollars I've ever spent. Uh, which will be fun sharing that with my um, my my tax guy when I'm trying to write this off. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, oh, you got to trust me, it's a write off. Um, but the and, and she filed a paperwork claiming that Greg Gillespie violated the restraining order because she alleged that he was all of these random Reddit accounts. You obviously read the police report. And then the, the domestic violent unit detective, I mean, I don't know how much time he spent on this, but that the information he got out of it, which was that she's just fighting with random strangers online, that information would have taken a full day's worth of research. And I just cannot get over the fact that there's somebody who has incredible threats of their spouse or partner or someone stalking them. And I can just imagine the busy signal at the detective's office because this is what they're dealing with. So while we all make fun of this, we are trying to 
to clear up the court system for actual issues. Yeah, and it's not like you're talking. It's not like you were doing videos on this just for your own health. Because if anything, it's you know slowly deteriorating because you have to deal with her and lawsuits and have to pay extra money to a lawyer when all you're doing is covering a public court case. I mean, I know it's been I know it's been rough on you at times. You've even told me like just sometimes it really you know affects your mental health. And the video that you put up yesterday to me it's just again. We have a third paternity test that has not proven that, let alone Clayton isn't the father, that she's not even showing that she's pregnant. But again, she's going to have an answer to this. She's going to say, what? Um, yes, I am. Or, you know, oh, the test is inconclusive. How do you know this? Or whatever. It's just like, as we've said since day one about this whole thing in terms of her being pregnant, as we've said since day one, it is the easiest thing in the world to prove, and yet she will refuse to prove it to us in a real fashion. Of course, she sends us notes from a neurologist appointment where the neurologist said she's pregnant. She shows us a belly bump, which was very, very questionable. She shows us a sonogram, which you've proven to be a fake from six years ago off the Internet. Like, it's the easiest thing in the world to prove. Like, I, I said it the day you and Tasha posted your uh, photos from the beach that you're when you did your photo shoot. I'm like, look. Dave Neal just announced he was pregnant. We've got Tasha on the beach. She's showing her belly. Dave's touching it. He's kissing it. Uh, this woman who's claimed to be pregnant for seven months with twins in her belly hasn't shown one picture publicly. You know, it's just very, very odd. I think and I think her strategy is that she knows that Ravjen can't give away the information. So even though I have it, she knows I have it through means that a journalist gets. And I, I don't consider myself a journalist in, in real life but in this specific case if you're if i'm sharing information in and i'm reporting on that's what it is right and i only say that because like i want nothing to do with this but it just so happens no credible journalists want to cover it because they'd rather cover you know what rachel Lindsay wore on the red carpet because we exist in a world that only cares about the celebrity bullshit right so like no one's covering this Clayton was getting ready to lose his injunction against harassment. Money was raised. I shared it. You shared it. And he was able to get a fair fight. And ever since he's had a fair fight, she's lost, you know, what, eight or nine, whatever, I mean, a dozen or so of her of her latest um, attempts to, to, I don't know, to, you know, because what she does is she would, she would win something easily. And it's like playing t-ball with a bunch of five-year-olds, right? She would like she would get a she would get an order of protection against someone. Well, that's easy to do. If you've dated them, you just lie and you get it. And then and then now with me, I think she's realizing the law doesn't bend in her direction because she doesn't know me and I've got rights in the First Amendment and all these other things. But, um, yeah, I mean, her. What, so so I don't think she's factoring in that I can share medical information and it doesn't violate her HIPAA rights because I'm not her doctor. I'm someone who if something falls into my lap, I can talk about it. And it's not to damage her if it's true. It's not defamation. You know, when um when I had the um the uh, when I went on uh, law talk with Mike on YouTube, it was so funny because he's obviously way more versed as. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I lost you. When I when I went on law talk, I mean, this is a guy who's a lawyer who's you know he's used to people trying to bully him and push him around. And for him to say, oh yeah, no, this isn't defamation. It's just it was a breath of fresh air to have legal you know, people that actually really know the law stand firm against her because she's so she's so used to bullying people that don't know the law. So they just cower. 
Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's funny because I don't even know if I had to guess. If I if I had to guess, I don't think she truly knows the definition of defamation. I don't think she knows it because every time she says I'm going to sue people for defamation, I it just doesn't make any sense because basically defamation it, it is I know it is tricky in the court of law, but essentially if you're defaming someone, um, well actually on her side. To prove defamation, she has to prove four things. And then I'm getting this right off a legal website. She has to prove four things to prove defamation. A false statement purporting to be fact, a publication of a communi- or communication of that statement to a third person, fault amounting to at least negligence, and fourth, damages causing harm or reputation. She has to prove all four. She can't just prove one. She can't just prove two. She can't just prove three. You have to prove four things to prove defamation, which is essentially... If I'm defaming you, it means I'm putting something out there that I know isn't true, but I'm still putting it out there anyway. And that's not what's happening here. We're not putting out stuff, and you're not talking about stuff that you think you've been told that really isn't true, but you want to keep the story going, so you're just putting it out there as fact. That's not what you're doing. You've put out truths ever since this whole thing started. Yeah, she she tried to sort of lay some groundwork for defamation by saying that She's getting less sponsorship money from her podcast. And I'm like, well, maybe that's because you're not making new episodes. Maybe people don't want to watch your uh, re-upload of your Dr. Drew episode for the seventh time. You know, like she's like she's and and of course, you know, by not mentioning her name, I'm not driving any traffic towards her. It's just like, you know, she she I think she knows what she's doing. I think she's, it's just not working anymore. You know, these, she, for years, I think dating back on the record to 2016, she's been able to silence these men. And, you know, I start, she would send some crazy thing to my lawyer. I would share it. So I'm just parlaying her own insanity back at her. So any attempt, she, it's almost like the Chinese finger, uh, the finger uh, uh, torture or whatever. Every attempt she's making to slam me, I'm just using against her by, by exposing it. And um, and that's what was really starting to set her off. And, and part of that's like a little bit of a strategy to like smoke her out of her hole, you know, because she kind of is she's going to regret uh, suing me for uh, harassment because it opens up a court case where I get to subpoena for different things that'll prove my point. So, you know, the whole and again, I don't know this for a fact, but what right what we're subpoenaing for right now is the records to find out who this chase J Jones guy is that was following me on Patreon. That's trying to cancel Clayton. If the, um, if the billing records and if people don't know this story, this, this random uh, black journalist uh, who claims to go to Howard university, uh, historic black college, if he ends up being her, we're going to know that because the, the billing records will tie that person to her. So far, the metadata of Chase J. Jones was coming, the VPN was coming out of Paris, and yet the domain is registered to Tempe, which is the town next door to where she lives. So from all accounts so far, there is lots of evidence showing that she connected to this guy who is 100% uh, you know, costing Clayton money by trying to get him canceled. And um, because she's suing me, I'm able to subpoena Patreon, my private membership community, for the records to see if Chase J. Jones spent the $5 to join my community. Of course, 
after I exposed that I was doing this, Chase J. Jones deleted their Patreon, deleted their blog, uh, pretty much deleted all signs of them existing, but the paper trail is already there. Um, the subpoena was due back on Monday. We haven't heard back yet, but uh, let me tell you, that will be a breaking news story if we can prove that she is behind that account. I mean, look, I remember the day, and if I went back in our text message log, I could find it, because I remember the day. You were doing a live Patreon that day, and you texted me during the live Patreon and said, hey, did you get an email from a Chase J. Jones guy that wrote an article canceling Clayton for dancing to rap music that had the N-word in it? And I said, yeah, I just got one. And so you and I literally got an email within minutes of each other, just out of the blue, some guy just happened, some guy just ha by the name of Chase J. Jones just happened to write an article about... Clayton Eckerd and him dancing to songs that had the N-word in it. And I'm just like, and the and the whole point of the article was Clayton Eckerd needs to be canceled. I think that was the first sentence in the last paragraph. It was like, in summary, Clayton Eckerd needs to be canceled. And I'm just like, I know, I mean, I put one and one together and usually get two. It was obvious where it came from because who during that time had something against Clayton Eckerd more than Jane Doe? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. so obvious, you know? He's not Justin Bieber. If you truly wanted social justice, you would come for about a thousand people ahead of him. He, it, it was, you know, so, but like, but if, and I have to say if, because yeah. I don't, yeah, you know, and, you know, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I but think, if, I think it's her. I'll just say that. I think. It's yeah. Her. And I mean, a lot of really smart people looked at the emails. I didn't know you could do this, but. When you look at an email that somebody sends, you're able to look at like the back end of the email and find the IP address. And like I said, when you type the IP address into like a standard IP address finder, it comes out as Paris, which anybody who knows VPNs knows you can pay for a site that'll ping your email through anywhere in the world. But that's how dumb it was. Like, why would you say Paris? You should have said Atlanta. You should have said Boston. So that was the first red flag. And then... And then Chase J. Jones had two separate email addresses. One was called like bachelorfanboy.com or something. Yeah. It was like super weird. No, no, uh, there is no history of Chase J. Jones existing until like October 12th of this year. It just so happened that that was the same time that uh, Jane Doe was really going to war with a lot of Reddit and people online. So my, my belief is that it, this is the smoking someone out of their hole, the desperate attempt. Well, I'll do this. I'll be a, I'll be a, and I'll be a black guy that's going to cancel them. And you know, when you prove defamation, you have to prove the intent to to damage someone financially. And what better, what better uh, way to do that than to see an article this person wrote and pretended to be? And again, I say that as like an allegation. We don't know, but but like um, I asked Patreon to send me the billing information. So before Patreon exists. She, uh, you could just get away with this, right? You could just create a fake name and, and maybe not have it tied back to you. But because there's a police sort of like, not, not warrant, but a police, um, uh, you know, a court record looking for this information, Patreon has to give it. They told me they wouldn't give me billing records unless this was like a court case. And so the second she finally sued me, um, we just went knocking on their door. And how dumb do you have to be? Well, at least, I mean, in whoever did this, to sign up for your Patreon. I'm not saying people that sign up for your Patreon are dumb, 
But if this was <laughs> her, if this was her doing this, how dumb do you have to be for her to pay to do this? Did she not think that this could possibly get traced back to her? Because now she's literally having to give personal information to sign up for something that she has to pay for. Like I just yes, don't and, get it. And on and and people said, well, maybe you could like buy one of those gift cards. There, there are ways to like money launder or you could buy a gift card with cash and then use that. Well, Patreon explicitly says you cannot use gift cards for the membership. You have to sign up. Um, I know that she has been in Patreon, or at least I believe she's still in Patreon. I've got like four to 500 members. So like, I'm not, you know, people were like, well, let's all upload photos of who we are. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. You know, there's plenty of people that don't want their identity known and I'm not going to do that. But, you know, we'll wait and see what the court, what the, what the billing says. But I'm telling you this, if that shows up and that's the connection, I am I like, like Clayton is going to have a clear cut case of defamation. And because here's the problem right now, the court system will do nothing if she lied under oath. They are not going to come after her. This is not big enough. There's not enough eyeballs on it. Um, uh, people have already gone to the district attorney to try to get them to do stuff. They said, um, they said basically, unless she commits any sort of physical harm, no one's touching this. So he's going to have to sue her for defamation if he wants any justice, because my guess is the court system is just too bogged down to deal with it. And it's sad. The whole thing is sad. We've said it from the beginning and it's just, the whole thing is ironic as well because you know, you just you go to the basic bare bones of this whole case. It's hilarious to think that none of us would even know who this woman is if she didn't run to the sun and give the story. Like, she ran to the sun, gave the story, and told everybody what happened with Clayton. None of us would have known any of this because I doubt Clayton would have went to his Instagram and said anything. She was the one that brought this all upon herself. And then when it's backfiring... Oh shit! Now I'm got to defend myself, and now I'm gonna go after everybody who talks about it. It's like you realize you were the one that brought this upon yourself by telling the son your story, and because it didn't work out in your favor, and everybody didn't run and be like, "Oh, I'm so feel so bad for you." Clayton's an asshole. Well, they did in the beginning when they didn't realize what was ha- ha- what was really happening. The second I read that story, the first time I read it, I'm like, something is off here. This doesn't make sense, and. Come to find out, as the months have gone on, the emails have arrived in mine and your inbox, as well as Clayton's, it's just more and more evident that this is an absolutely fraudulent case. Yeah, I mean, and they say, you know, I've had a lot of psychologists do like a little armchair diagnosis where they say, well, maybe it's like she's the youngest uh, child of a wealthy, influential parents. And, and I, I mean, I, look. I would be the first person to set up a GoFundMe for her if the money went to mental health help. I want nothing but like a resolution where where she sees the light, you know, and I, 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 I kind of speak to her sometimes on my Patreon because I know she's listening where I go like, look, the charade's up. Like we do have empathy. You're going through something. But like these guys like trying to beat these and there's something about it being like strong, tall men like Clayton and Greg are both like six five 250 they're both big there's something about it that's like she's got a sort of it's almost like a dominatrix thing and and i just think like i don't know if there's any way i mean i don't know if there's any way to overcome this issue but i i, I would i would want that to be the case i don't want her to suffer i don't want anyone to suffer she doesn't she doesn't believe that that's like we're not out to get her 
it just so happens that these men have had their lives destroyed. I mean, Greg had to like sit down and talk to his girlfriend who's now pregnant. They have a family coming, a beautiful girlfriend. She's super pregnant. They're having a baby soon. He had to sit down and go, hey, this is going on in my life. And and feared that she wouldn't believe him because no one believes people. You know, you just go, oh, yeah, what did you do to deserve this? You know, yeah. I mean, even when I was getting sued, I felt I still feel when I have comedians come up to me and they go, oh, what's what's going on with your lawsuit? And, and, and by the way, this is why I know it's so interesting. I was at an open mic last night. And before the open mic started, the comic's like, hey, why are you getting sued? What's going on? I started telling him the story. And then another comic would turn around and listen. And next thing you know, next thing you know, I have the whole entire room listening to me. And I was like, this is how I know it's interesting. This room is not even the demographic that cares about like bachelor or celebrity gossip. And they were on the edge of their seats listening to this story. And it just hasn't quite hit mainstream yet. You know, um, we had we had law tubes start to get into it. I want behavioral um, YouTubers to check her out and like start analyzing things. I just want I just want as much attention as possible because that's the only justice that's going to come. It's not going to be from the court system. It's going to be from society going, nope, we're not dealing with this. We are not accepting your reality. That's that's, you know, the, the court, the uh, the public opinion is going to be the jury here. And the funny thing is, when you say that, that you say you want more people to look into it, she takes that as Davis harassing me. <laughs> like they, right. That's the way yeah. she thinks. It's just like, no, that's not the way it works. It's not harassment. We're allowed to talk about this. You brought it upon yourself. If you never, if you never told, the amazing thing is, if you never told the son anything, Dave wouldn't have released one video about this because we wouldn't fucking know about it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, uh, yeah, Clayton, yeah, Clayton would have suffered until she either. So, because this is what again, the, this is in the court documents from Greg. She tells the guys she told Greg this and she told Clayton this. If you date me i will i will let you decide what we do with the babies and my my guess is uh that when if clayton said okay and then she quote unquote got the abortion of the alleged babies that may or may not exist that then she would claim that he coerced her into an abortion because then she would have all the screen grabs showing that like she had with the last guy and oh yeah there's also a guy named mike before greg and we don't even talk about him because he's probably got too much shame to even want to share his story yet so it's you, you start to see the the you know the weaponization of of um of negotiation that happens you know when clayton so i was re-watching the court case today uh because that's what i do in my spare time for fun and you had you had uh Clay, you know you had clayton's lawyer who we're all obsessed with we love her um she's my time person of the year uh you have her uh cross-examining jane doe saying did clayton ever say that he uh, that he acknowledged she had sex with you. And she said, yeah. And, and then she goes, yeah, on on June 4th or June 4th, whatever the date was. She goes, yeah, and on those dates, he admitted to it. But it's like, no, though, that's when he finally caved to the gaslighting. That's when he finally started texting her going, hey, I know we didn't even have sex, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to think you're pregnant and I, I want to, you know, abort the baby. Oh, he wants an abortion. Abort, abort what? Jane abort what <laughs> so but you you get to see how she sort of gets these screen grabs and then holds on to that information and then uses it against them when they're just trying to negotiate her and, you know in uh, in the other court case she um uh somebody who's close friends maybe a sister or somebody of the of the quote-unquote victim here 
it, it was either Mike or Greg, one of these other cases, um, had a sworn affidavit, uh, you know, in the court records that said, Jane's dad told me that she has a tendency to do this and just try to work things out with her so she doesn't commit any, you know, self-harm. Yeah. So is this is somebody that has always seemingly had people bend the knee to their demands for fear that they will become accused of heinous things. I mean, that's some of the reasons why, you know, in the past she said, well, so-and-so lawyers dropped, dropped the, their client because clearly he wasn't believed. And then the more information that I find out, it's that she started to, to F with them too. And it's like, none of this worth the money to deal with a crazy person. So people just start dropping the cases. And now all that she's doing is like pro what's it called uh, per, pro se. She's, she's, uh, and again, lawyers can correct me if I'm wrong here. She's filing all these emotions essentially by herself. So it's not even costing her any money to file all these motions against people as far as I know. So it's like she had, there's really no repercussions here. Certainly doesn't seem like it. And something that I brought up a couple of weeks ago, I brought it up to you, mentioned it in a podcast. The amazing thing is, among other things, I mean, the, the whole case is amazing in and of itself. But one of the most amazing things about this whole thing since it started is that she's well aware that nobody on the Internet believes her or 98 percent of the people that have listened to anything regarding this case, have listened to any of your videos, have listened to any of my podcasts. Everyone is like, I cannot believe this. This isn't real. Um, she's crazy. All this stuff. It is amazing that somebody who has a lot of time on her hands, clearly, because she has spent numerous hours on Reddit arguing with people. She fires off emails to me, to you, to Clayton. She clearly cares enough about this case to constantly say, no, look at this, look at this, look at this. But she knows she's being doubted. She knows that nobody believes her. Yet, in two months that we've been covering this, you haven't gotten an email or a phone call or any sort of contact, a DM from Instagram. I haven't gotten one either from anybody in her camp that's like, hey, you guys are dead wrong. She's my cousin. She's my sister. She's my daughter. She's my third cousin once removed. She's my niece. I know her. She's not lying. Not one person. In two months, you would think that somebody, somebody out there somewhere would come to her defense, even if they were covering for her, and just saying, hey, Dave, stop it with the videos. You don't know what you're talking about. I know her. I've known her since she was uh, three years old, whatever the case may be. You're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong. You've not gotten one email. And I'm just saying you that know, if it was the other way around know, and you or I were being attacked by this and we weren't be, and we weren't being believed by 98 percent of the Internet, I guarantee somebody that I knew, if it was true, would come to my defense and be like, hey, you know, email somebody, knock it off. You guys have no idea what you're talking about. Not one person. It's fucking weird. You, you know what? You know what kind of messages I get a lot of? Um, people that claim to be victims of, of, of her, you know, controlling them through the court system. I get a lot of messages from their cousins, their moms, their, their friends, people that want nothing to do with this because they're afraid. I get messages from all of those different people that are so glad that people are finally talking about it. I almost feel bad. I feel bad for the circumstances that must have existed before Clayton's article came out. Because as wicked as it was for his mental health, it's like he's not going to be able to detach himself from the story. So he just has to be on the right side of it. And 
Yeah, like you said, no, ne- not one match. I remember a few years ago when I was kind of going hard on Victoria Larson. I was like, oh, she's it. She's the worst. And I was kind of like still buying into the edit of her, which by all means, she's probably fine. You know, she's she's probably like the funny, mean girl, whatever, right? But I remember a friend message, a, f- a friend of hers messaged me saying, hey, man, you're going way too hard on her. Like, chill out. She's not that bad of a person. Like, not one of that has happened with Jane Doe. And... Yeah, and you got and you got that off Victoria, a friend of Victoria Larson, who was, in in terms of what Victoria Larson did on TV versus what Jane Doe is doing now in real life, the fact that you got one message from Victoria Larson's friends saying, "Hey, Dave, you know, take it a little bit easy," that goes to show it's more amazing that this is happening. Not one person has come and said, "Hey, she really is pregnant." I was over at their house last night. We had dinner. I saw her belly. Even even though. If I were to receive an email like that or you were to receive an email like that, it still wouldn't prove anything because it could just be someone that one of her friends she told and put put them up to it. Um, so now it's too late now. If we get one of those emails now that it's been made public that we've never gotten an email and all of a sudden they start flooding in, we know it's her listening to us and she's like, oh, shit, I need someone to come to my defense. But it, the, yeah, g- the gig is it- up now. Yeah, and even when we get those emails of like character evidence from friends and family, usually you can like click on their Instagram. You can do some digging real quick to make sure they're, uh, you know, they're they have credibility. And you know, I I, I do want to say this because a lot of people go, you know, this is what's wrong with people believing women. And I just want to say this: nothing that has happened in this case has moved the needle on me believing victims. Uh, it is so easy to believe victims. That that's that um, that I, I that I encourage people to continue to use their own critical thinking and trust people because ninety nine point nine percent of the time people are telling the truth. So I don't want this to be an example for anybody to say, well, w- because we had to go so hard on her, other victims aren't going to have their stories told. I, I want it to be the opposite. It's a case by case basis. Lesson for people, yeah. A lesson for people on how to you know practice good understand like if someone's telling you something you know listen to them and believe them but also you know be willing to cross-examine even politely with if there's any evidence proving otherwise and in this case it just came down to her wanting to believe evidence and and not and that's why this is why she never sent the sonogram to me she sent it to you because you do audio only so i do video and she doesn't send the sonogram to me oh what a coincidence yeah i mean look (laughs) There's so many things that there are so many holes in this story. We've talked about it for months now. Um, And it's just a matter of what happens from here. Well, we know that she's minimum 28 weeks pregnant as we speak. She is not backed away from that whatsoever, yet she has not been able to prove, even though in email she says, I'm pregnant with twins and Clayton is the father. She has not been proven. She has not been able to prove that. There's nothing that's come out in any sort of lab test or any sort of paternity tests. That has shown, number one, Clayton's the father, or number two, that she's even pregnant. So the second we can somehow get some physical proof that this woman was never pregnant, everything she ever sent in email and anything that she has ever said on the stand immediately becomes a lie. It does. She, she cannot be believed about anything. So yeah, I hope and that you know, comes. Yeah, and you know, like, you and I, like, when you're kind of creating content based on The Bachelor – we, we kind of have just a good idea of what's a, what's a hot story and what's not. And you kind of stick to certain stories. When Dale Moss and Claire Crowley were kind of on again, off again, I was all over that shit. And some people would say, oh, Dave, you're, you're, making, you're, you're talking about this too much. And I, I'd go, well, you're not looking at the, the, the analytics like I am. Like, this is a hot story. And for some people, they go, oh, Dave, 
you know, you're beating this Clayton story into the ground. It's like, listen, MFR, I'm being sued for harassment over this. Every single person in Bachelor Nation should be in lockstep on this story. And, I, you know, whatever, people aren't. But this is, by all means, the biggest story I believe that's ever hit Bachelor Nation. And it just, it just, it's a little muddy with all of the different things going on. But I think when the dust settles and it's organized, it'll be at minimum an eight-part, like, full-length series documentary. Well, just off the top of my head, when you set up the GoFundMe for Clayton and that got him around, what did it get up to, 10000 Uh, Maybe a little less, but yeah, at least 7500 Okay. Outside of Susie and Blake Horseman and myself, I mean, I don't consider myself, I'm like Bachelor Nation adjacent. I wasn't a contestant. But outside of Susie and Blake Horseman, who else donated to Clayton's fund? From the from the show, you know, it's a good question. I mean, we might have had some content creators like uh, Susanna. I don't remember, um, but as far as alumni go, I don't. I don't think anybody. But I, I kind of stopped looking at them. I do know some other close people donated, but Susie is just a class act, and you know, I'm just she. She understands what's going on. Uh, you know, I've kind of. Um, I kind of was pretty tough on alumni saying. You know, I just expected like a sports team or a fraternity that they would get they would get each other's back. And what I realized was the type of people that go on reality shows in, in a lot of ways are very narcissistic oh, yeah. and they don't want to touch something that doesn't involve them. And that's kind of just an example collectively of what's wrong in society is that like everyone's just looking out for themselves. There's no union here. So, yeah, nobody nobody wanted to cover this. I mean, the amount of victim blaming that people have on Clayton, oh, you shouldn't have stuck your dick in crazy. You know how many times I've heard that? Oh, yeah. And then the alumni, a lot of the alumni go, and I've heard this from them, they go, well, don't be so hard on the alumni. Not everyone's up to date on what's going on. And my response to that is, well, then why are you DMing me for the updates? Like, there are so many people that want to know all the updates, but then when it comes to taking action, they're like, well, let's just wait and see what side of the story we need to be on. It's just... It's just a, it's just an example that, you know, people like you and I have a lot more in common because we've been in situations where we've been sort of, you know, I would think unjustly or, you know, uh, or, you know, people trying to conflate what we're doing or mischaracterize. And, you know, there, there, a little bit of camaraderie goes a long way. And for all the people that don't want to, um, you know, uh, expose Clayton's story, uh, you know, you can just see right through that. It's like, well, sorry, this, Sorry, this would affect your bottom dollar. How do you think Clayton feels right now? You know, we could talk about this for two hours. It's obvious. I mean, this, this is something that could go on forever. There's a, uh, you know, you have so many videos of it. Everyone can go out and check out your YouTube channel um, and listen to the Bachelor Rush Hour podcast in the morning and evening. Um, but I want to move on to a couple other things, some uh, smaller topics, but topics nonetheless within the franchise. Number one, uh, the Golden Bachelor ending. I mean, my gosh. I don't know if I feel sorry for Gary, um, but to have a to have a um, an engagement play out on television the way it did last Thursday, and then for the Hollywood dep- Reporter to drop their hit piece on him the day before, and then ever since then, like it's it just seems like a pile on of like, can, can we get any happiness in this world? Like it's just like everybody wants to believe what the Hollywood Reporter wrote. And now that they're engaged and they're getting married on live television on January 4th, people are like, oh, he's only after her because she got money. He was totally going to pick Leslie. But then Teresa told him she has money and all of a sudden he changed his mind. It's just like, 
I don't know. I, it's just it's it's unbelievable how ruthless people are. I thought maybe they'd take it easy because we're dealing with seventy-two-year-old people. Nope, they're just as harsh on the <laughs> elder generation in Bachelor Nation than they are on the twenty-five-year-old influencers. It's crazy. Well, again, it's it's people that aren't really thinking about it this way. Like, look, the Hollywood Reporter actually is pretty credible. It's a pretty credible news organization, and yet we know for a fact that they held on to this story for a long time. Yeah. I mean, the um, you had you had uh, the niece of the woman who's like the scorned ex, because that's exactly what she is. The niece said, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for this story to come out for over a month now. Well, why did it take so long? And they say, well, we were vetting some of the things. Oh, oh bullshit. So they waited till the day before Gary's big day because it would be max exposure during Q4 where they can show their advertisers to getting the most clicks. I mean, it's freaking pathetic. You know, I let the, yeah, sure. The story should have come out, sure. But what they're not taking into account is the Bachelor edit, the producers, their role in curating the story. You know, Gary's never been on the show before. He's just doing what they're telling him to do. He's saying what they're telling him to say. I mean, when he he was in um, on the Justin Long podcast just a few days earlier talking about the fact that he was with an ex-girlfriend when he had to go take his STD test. And he had no problem mentioning he had an ex-girlfriend then. So clearly he, he's not afraid to talk about uh, people he dated after being on the show. And then one of the other things that they really harped on was the whole, like, he said he retired at 55, but look, we found he did some work. It's like, yeah, and the work that he did was to benefit other other organizations or other businesses. Like, they felt like they had this gotcha moment over something so nondescript as, oh, no, 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 he has worked since he said he was retired. It's like, really? That's what you're running your story with? It just, it seemed so unnecessary. And yeah, you're right. Hollywood Reporter is a legit place. This wasn't life and style running this. You know, Hollywood Reporter's on the same line as as like Variety and stuff like that. They're very, very well repped, and they have a very good reputation. They're not going to run, you know, garbage stories. But frankly, to me, all that stuff that they ran was irrelevant, and it almost seemed like we just want to crap on this finale and crap on this guy's happiness because we know he's getting engaged tomorrow night to Teresa, you know? And also, what was he guilty of? They they got into a relationship. She was younger than him, this ex. And he asked her to split the bills with him because she was an accountant and he was probably living on a fixed income. You know what I mean? Like, like that. that's not it. And then when she even, she even mentions in the story, they call her like Carolyn or something. She doesn't want to reveal her identity. But she the, the main reason why she wanted to come forward, because she didn't want to be the laughingstock of her community because she wasn't front and center in his story and it's like sorry carolyn the story that bachelor went with was that he was married for a long time his wife died tragically and then he wanted to move on they didn't want to muddy people with the fact that he dated a little bit between the two because who wouldn't and you know you know when i when i heavily criticized this story i had a lot of people comment and say you know um you know a lot of people move on quickly it's just like a coping mechanism it it, it doesn't need to be thought of as good or bad you know if i um if I passed away, I, I wouldn't want my wife to spend seven years suffering. If she could meet a guy that was nice to her, I would want her to find happiness. So I don't, you know, I don't fault him at all for it. Yeah, I didn't. I, I just thought I was really surprised that The Hollywood Reporter ran that. I would expect that exact story to come from, frankly, a life and style or a star magazine back in the day. Like that's where that story should have been. It just didn't. It just didn't have a lot of 
oomph to it. Didn't have a lot of substance to it. Yeah, it had quotes from the ex-wife or from the ex-girlfriend, but it just didn't seem like it was all that big of a deal. And it just and seemed you know like yeah, you, you, releasing, you know releasing it the is, day before is like they just wanted to shit on the finale. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like some giant project where they were they were just you know kept on acquiring information. This wasn't a huge takedown of Harvey Weinstein, right? It was like, all right, they had a couple screen grabs and a broken ankle. That's easy, and it's all from the same person. So they weren't. Yeah, I mean, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Ridiculous. And the thing is, what's so funny about the article is. In the article, they say, well, at his job, all of the employees that worked with him said he was a good guy. Bingo. End of story. Yeah, done. Exactly. Like, it just, they didn't have anything there. It was just really, really weird. To me, the bigger story in anything related to Golden Bachelor and Gary was Leslie going on Bachelor Happy Hour and saying, look, this is what he told me. Like When we heard her say that on the couch on the live after the fun rose on last week, and she said, you know what you said to me. I was like, man, I wish we could know. Shit, three days later, we all know now what he said to her. And if he said that to her, I think that was taking it a little bit too far. I under, But I do understand, and I've talked to you about this, is that the lead is really in a lose-lose situation every year because they cannot win with the person they ultimately end up dumping at the end. Because if you're cold to them all season long and you're aloof to them all season long, the audience is going to pick up on that. They're televising a te- they're doing a television show and they're doing a television show where a man has to choose between two women ultimately in the end. And they want some suspense there. You know, screw the spoiler aspect of it, whether I was around or not. The bottom line is this television show has to think that their audience does not know spoilers and they have to go into that final episode thinking, who is he going to choose? Is he going to choose Leslie? Is he going to choose Teresa? And if he's sitting there the night before or in his overnight with Leslie and giving her one word answers and turning his shoulder to her and like, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce out of here. Like it would be obvious that he's choosing the other person. So I understand the lead in that situation has to give the final two person, even if they already know where their mind is going and they're not picking them, they still have to give them something, which isn't normal. That's why you have to look at this as a production, as a TV show, not real life, because it isn't real life. With that said, I also think he may have gone a little overboard in the things that he said to Leslie, because why would you say, hey, in two days, this will be over. We can start our life together. Like, okay, Gary, maybe, maybe don't say that to somebody. That's a little bit extreme. Well, yeah, so my my guess is, is he believed everything he said to Leslie, and then, and then he just had a change of heart. Uh, the thing that I think is interesting that I haven't heard anyone else talk about is that Gary has a very, very similar naive position that Clayton and Katie Thurston had, which was the producers, they know if, if they bring in someone who's already been on the receiving end, like Gabby, like Rachel Reckia, if they bring someone who's been on the receiving end, they then know what they would do differently, which would be way less dramatic. So by having a Clayton Eckerd who never made it to the big dance, to the fantasy suites, by bringing him in, he creates absolute chaos. Gary has never probably watched the show, let alone been in this situation. So in the moment, he believes Leslie's the one. He's just on a one-track mind because if Teresa didn't exist, maybe him and Leslie would have would have you know had a match. And then all of a sudden, after Leslie's date, he starts to warm up to Teresa and he goes, oh man, I've made a mistake. And then you see him break down because he realizes he led somebody on, but you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to get mad at the person 
who's in an untenable situation. None of us have been in. We don't know how we would do. And, you know, they find a Gary who's just like a Clayton in the sense he's a people pleaser. I would be the same way. Oh, I would be absolutely crucified. You know, the, the best people to handle it are like the Matt James, who clearly had conversations with people in the fantasy suite um, that that were very defined and he didn't lead people on to the extent where he wasn't having sex with anybody. I mean, that's not what the show wants. That's not good TV for the show. So you did a video about the reaction, which is people claiming Gary's a gold digger because he changed his mind. Yeah. He changed his mind because after he went out on the date with Teresa, he realized he liked her, but people are saying, well, the only realize he only, the only reason he realized he liked her was because he found out she had money. And tell people what your video response on that was. Well, you know, money money mean can mean a lot of things, right? It could mean like Teresa has money, I guess, but she's also successful and she was like self-starter, entrepreneurial, learned how to, you know, compete in this young man's finance world. That's sexy to somebody that, that she's not like maybe, you know, I don't know. Uh, bending head over heels for him. So, you know, there's different ways to look at it. Leslie financially is probably well off too. And then, you know, people can make the argument that Leslie's maybe a young, like kind of a younger vibe, you know, maybe he could have gone for that. Maybe he went for the less superficial thing and went, you know, so it's, you can look, you're going to get, you know, it's just law of attraction, right? You're going to get whatever answer you look for. If you're looking at Gary being a gold digger, you will find that confirmation bias. It is there. And if you're looking at Gary and saying, well, I think he tried the best with all the info he could, you'll see him as just a nice grandpa. Yeah. I mean, I think that there, it's just, it could be as simple as that. I understand Leslie's frustration because Leslie, again, somebody, well, all these people had never been on the show before. So she probably realized maybe after the fact, okay, it is part of the show. And I just don't think the lead in this show, it's it's a very tough position to be in. As, as glamorous as it sounds and, oh, my God, you get to be on national TV. A show is focused around your dating life and promo pictures. And in a few weeks, Joey's going to be at the New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest to promote his season of The Bachelor. All cool things that come with being the lead on this show, none of which happens when I guarantee it. I don't know what happens or how it plays out. Obviously, I've given out the spoilers and we know the women involved, but let's see how well Joey is received when he dumps his final two girl at the end. Because right now, Joey's on everybody's pedestal and he's the greatest bachelor in the history of mankind, yet nobody has seen one episode of his season. Let's see when we get down to the final two. Because remember how Charity was so beloved and then she dumped Joey and broke his heart and I was like, oh, jeez. Let's see how Joey handles his final two girl and exactly what he tells her. And if that girl turns around and is like, he blindsided me. He made me believe it was going to be me. Let's see how people react then, you know? Yeah. I mean, eh, it's just, you know. I, you're in a lose-lose. Lose. You really are as, as the lead on this show, you know? Yeah, the only, way, the only way you win is if you create bad TV. I mean, the producers tell them, hey, you know, we need you to spice things up. We need you to do this. We need you to... to to take this villain on a date. It's a negotiation with the lead because in the end, this, they need to create content that's worth watching. So, you know, Gary, Gary had no idea that he's, you know, you, you, as a lead, you're kind of the useful idiot. You just got to play the part and it goes to show even a nice guy on golden bachelor 
is going to be seen. And, and I get it. Like people feel bad for Leslie. It's like triggering, but at the same time, like, you know, he, he, she's fine. He, he tried his best and we'll probably forget about this soon. So one of the things that I talked about in my daily roundup yesterday that I believe you brought up as well is this TJ Holmes and Amy Roback story is just, <laughs> it is crazy because I talked about this back when they got caught together and all this stuff. And I was just always curious about, I understood that both of them, you know, seemingly were going through a divorce proceedings at the time, but you know, when they released their podcast this week, this was the first time in 13 months they could actually tell America, Hey, this is what was going on. When we got caught with those pictures, it wasn't because we were cheating. We had been together for a while and our spouses and significant others were out of the picture at that point. But it just seems so weird to me that it took 13 months and a podcast for them to come out and say something like is it, wh what was your whole take on this story? And do you believe that when they started seeing each other, everything with Andrew Shue and everything with uh, what's her name? Mirabelle? No, Mir what's uh, yeah, something like something Mirabelle? like that um, is completely done. Well, I mean, if they if they're lying about the timeline, you would think their exes would be bitter enough to correct that. So you almost I mean, I'm sure there was like some sort of emotional overlap happening, which is very common in in like, uh, you know, corporate relationships with your part with, you know, your uh, co-workers is that you spend all this time together. It's this is what's so wrong for any for anyone who's got like a PR issue. And not that there's many people out there that would have this PR issue, but you have your own platform like they, they almost they probably took all of the PR advice from the network to, to remain quiet. And what did they get them? They got fired. Maybe they got a settlement. I don't really know. But uh, like, it's almost like what Chris Harrison has learned, which is you, you no one's going to defend you. So you, you might as well get your own truth out there and go like scorched earth. Um, so now they're finally, and, and at least they're monetizing it on their own podcast. You'd hate to just give this interview to somebody else. Um, so I, I, I don't see why they would be lying about the timeline. It's so funny that they're, exes are now dating it's just like are there not enough people in this world but hey they, they clearly had something in common to commiserate over by the way it's yeah it's it's merrily i don't know why i keep calling her maribel i think i did it twice on my podcast merrily Feibig is tj's ex-wife and i guess that's the thing i want to hear i want to hear from andrew because now this is the first time you know her their podcast this week tj and amy this is the first time they said no there was never an affair we never cheated when we were caught at that cabin together we had been together for months, and essentially Andrew and Marilee had already been out of the picture. Divorce proceedings had already happened. Well, now I want to hear from Andrew and Marilee because I, I tend to think that they wouldn't have the same response. I don't think they would be like, oh, no, we were totally cool with TJ and Amy. I don't know. But I don't even know if Andrew and Marilee are ever going to address this either. They might just let it go and continue on with their relationship. But it is quite messy for sure. Like it's, it's so, and now, it's, it's so funny too. Yeah. I mean, they could have both been on, if they were both heading towards divorce, there is that gray area because it's like, well, you, you, I would assume if you're heading towards a divorce, you don't announce anything publicly. So then the audience doesn't know, but yeah, like I said before, I, I would think if they're lying, that information would be very easy to uh, disprove. Um, I don't know how I feel about them as a couple. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have any investment. I just don't care. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is interesting how, you know, they, how he mentioned he was just downing vodka and then she's 
thinks he's killed himself because he's not responding to her text messages. I mean, quite dramatic for a, and look, I can understand why as like journalists, they were kind of let go because their credibility was shot, but it does seem to be like, well, if they had gone about this in the right way, maybe there would have been a different outcome. But again, just an example of not needing to work for a corporation because it's like, imagine, imagine if you got fired from being reality, Steve, because an image came out of you, you know, cheating or something. It's like, that just wouldn't happen if you have your own uh, equity. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah. And I think, you know, the one thing that I keep going back to was when this story happened. I mean, this happened over a year ago, November of 2022, was when that first photo, those first photos of TJ and Amy came out and they were like somewhere in New York at some log cabin or whatever and they were seen together. Um, Then stories started popping up that, you know, people who didn't want to speak on record because they used to work with them or were still working at GMA were basically like, yeah, these two, when they've gone on the road together and have worked and had to do stories and report from overseas, I think they even said for one of the royal weddings that when they were overseas in England, it was like people in that GMA family were well aware that TJ and Amy were having an affair. Like it was it was almost like, yeah, this is this is happening, but we're not going to say anything because it's their life and we don't want to ruin it. And this is what they want to do. This is what happens. Almost like, you know, protecting your boys and stuff like that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it seems like. They can say it now, like, oh, no, we were now our divorce proceedings never happened. Well, maybe the reason they started divorce proceedings was because they were already with each other long before that. And Andrew and or Merrily found out about it. And that's why the divorce proceedings started. So who knows? I mean, we don't know the timeline. I I just know that we've never heard from Andrew and Merrily about it. And I think that if we do, my sense is we're going to find out that they weren't 100% like, oh, done deal. You can start seeing somebody else at the time things happened. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, and, and maybe that's what took them so long to let the dust settle. But, you know, now that if they're going to monetize their story, yeah, it'll it'll definitely be cross-examined. And even if it's not by their exes, any one of their mutual friends, if, if they're – if they're kind of on the dirty side of this, I think I think the truth will come out. I don't know enough about. I mean, are there exes also journalists, or are they just like civilians? Andrew Shue was on Melrose Place. He was an actor growing up. I mean, he was oh. he was popular. Marilee uh, Feibig. I don't know anything about her. I don't I don't know her past. But Andrew Shue is. I mean, he's also the brother of Elizabeth Shue, who's very popular actress you know karate kid adventures in babysitting back in the 80s like she was she was a lot of young boys including me myself at 13 years old or 12 years old watching karate kid of course i liked ally with an eye that's elizabeth shoe that's andrew shoes you are uh you're waxing on so you can wax you're off. waxing off exactly <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and 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 the other the other thing that i brought up was the fact that we found out that andrew and Marilee are now dating on the day TJ and Amy's podcast launched. The fact that New York Post and Page Six put that out on the very day of TJ and Amy's podcast launch makes me think that that was calculated, that was done to kind of undercut their publicity that they're getting for it, which makes me think as well that Marilee and Andrew weren't too thrilled with how Amy and TJ went about everything in their relationship. Another. You know, you know, yeah, dating dating your ex's ex is kind of nice because assuming that there was no other um, sort of mixing of um, of, uh, you know, uh, of fluids and stuff, it's kind of like a safe thing. Like you've already sort of shared <laughs> the same 
body bags there. So maybe maybe they're maybe they're just maybe it's for health reasons that they decided to do this. All right. The final thing I wanted to talk about with you is uh, you and I haven't even talked as, as much as we talk about things on voice memos to each other. I've never asked you about this. And it's somewhat recent, and I and I want to get your take on it because it's really taking kind of the TikTok, Instagram world by storm, but also the stand-up comedy world by storm, and that's the whole Matt Reif situation. You're aware of what is going on, right? Yeah. I want to know what you think about all this in terms of – I think I know what you think about his set and what he said and why everybody is up in arms, but the reaction to it, what he's doing to combat – people trying to cancel him now what is your take on this whole thing well regard regardless of like opinions on what's right or what what's right or wrong i love it when people can just tell you their actual truth so if he was like working for snl he would have groveled up some sort of apology and said oh i'm trying to do it. he would have basically said bullshit so people so he could have kept his job but i don't know if you saw the elon musk moment where he told bob Iger, you know the ceo of disney to go fuck himself I just, I, regardless of what side you are on it, I respect people that have the equity and, and, and ability to just tell you what they think. So that is where he's at. I mean, he's got like an international tour coming out this year. Um, you know, people might be upset at the content of his standup, but it's not going to stop him from selling tickets. And because of that, he has no need to sort of like bow down to people that got upset i mean it's just what happens if you get big enough people are gonna find a reason to tear you back down it's the sandcastle at the beach somebody and a lot of people have said like look i really liked his tiktoks he markets himself extremely well on social media and his tiktok is always about his crowd work when he does his stand-up and i think a lot of the criticism then turned into look it's not like we're totally offended by his jokes but I watch his whole set and I realized he isn't that funny because when he's not doing crowd work, his material isn't that good. Now, granted, that's very subjective, but that seems to be the consensus of people that are talking about this. They'll be like, yeah, I mean, the joke that he told, the, the, the main joke that he told to open up his stand-up show that's on Netflix right now had to do with domestic violence. And they're saying, look, not that I actually believe that Matt Reif is interested in punching another woman in the face and giving her a black eye. It's the fact that that joke is so tired and used that it's not really creative at all. And that to me makes sense because, you know, saying like, Oh, she got a black eye. Oh, well she wouldn't be in the kitchen. You know, if that was the case, you know, it's just like, that is an old joke. That's not funny. I don't know. Uh, you know. Yeah, there, yeah, you know, there was no twist to the joke to make it unique. Yeah, you're right. It was very hack. It's like, oh, airline food's bad. So what? What's the news thought on that? We've known that for 30 years. Exactly. Um, I, I will say, though, not this isn't in defense of him, but crowd work clips where the audience is talking to where the where the stand ups talking to the audience tends to do a lot better online because the, you feel like you're watching it with the audience and there's something about material, and of course, by material, I mean pre-planned jokes that don't translate to the internet. I mean, I know comedians that are absolute murderers on stage, and I've watched their specials sort of bored sometimes. So the medium is just meant for live in the moment. You're, it's meant to feel risky, like you're actually in the live moment. What's the crowd going to do? Is that lady going to walk out? This, that, you know, you. It's like it's like it feels more magical that way. Um, Matt's only thing like business wise his only thing against him not not talking creatively is the fact that he got so famous so fast 
that people expect him to be something more than he is, which he's a he's a middle of the line 10 year comic. And I don't say that from any place of spite. He's raking it in right now, but they want him to be like a 35 year vet like Chappelle or Bill Burr. And it, that's just not what he is. So what what has worked for him is he's used his crowd work to get these audiences and maybe he's getting some cheap laughs in in front of his crowd. And it's hard to harness a joke when you're getting the laughs easy um, live. It, it just doesn't translate. And I think one of the big mis- I think one of the big mistakes that he did do was after all this backlash from that opening joke from his Netflix special. He didn't need to go this route, and maybe it's just a I don't give a fuck because I make a shit ton of money and I'm going home in my palatial estate every single night, so fuck all the haters. But for him to go online and say, if you've ever been offended about one of my jokes, click on this link, and it was for um, a headgear for um, you know special needs kids, that was uncalled for. Like that doesn't yeah, he yeah. didn't need to go that route. Like I was surprised, and that's only going to draw more hate. And he's just like. And I think his his stance seems to be now, well, fuck them. I'm I make twenty million dollars a year now. So I've reached a level where I don't care what these people say to me and I'll tell them to go buy a special needs helmet, which is just just Yeah, it's like look, smart. he's he's already got the audience, like you gotta protect it a little bit. Protect the audience a little bit so that they can still like you. Like don't, you don't want to go full villain here. And that's um, what he did. He, that's what I'm surprised he's done this. And he built his audience off women, and now he's going on podcasts saying, "I want my audience to be men." I don't necessarily. I'm I'm thankful for the women. They've made me who I am today, and made me uh, skyrocket in the last year because women seem to love my act, and you know they think I'm attractive and whatnot. I I, I appreciate it, but now he's saying like, I would prefer if men liked me more, and I'm just like, what are you doing? I don't <laughs> I don't understand who's giving him this advice. It seems like he's turning on the audience that made him. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting because most of my audience is women, as you know, with The Bachelor. But as far as comedy goes, I think I have jokes that will like when I did my show in Seattle, I had a I had a few jokes that were killing with the small amount of men in the room. And they were kind of getting blank stares from some of the women. And I was like, all right, they just don't relate to this. So, you know, you just you, you know, some jokes are for some people, some are for others. You know, the only there's only certain jokes that went over a full crowd and that's food, family uh uh third like third person perspectives on like society if you're going to tell like personal stories from your perspective you might not win over the crowd but you know he 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 was introduced to a lot of women that that found him to be funny you know kind of because he was like sort of flirting on stage and you know that's that's like like uh i guess the i guess the advice would be like don't don't necessarily disenfranchise the group that found you first even if you want to be a approved by another group yeah and and i think if any pr people got a hold of him they would say like look man you're already crushing it like don't give your haters any ammo but you know i'm I'm sure even if he doesn't apologize i'm sure he's gonna like find that line and 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 part of it like not to make excuses for him but you say you, you can say crazy stuff on stage and still get laughs and that doesn't always translate to the internet you, you need to be able to have like um, almost like multiple families where you can you can learn what you can say on stage and make the audience laugh and then learn what will what can work on on the internet because people that are not your fans are gonna look at this as like you know in a different light and he definitely gave them the um, the ability to do that after the last few weeks well Dave there's so much to talk about like I said we covered a lot almost 90 minutes today 
We spent a lot of time on Jane Doe, which I'm sure she'll have an email fired off within minutes of listening to this podcast. Uh, it's what she does. But uh, anyway, I, I really appreciate it. Again, congrats on the baby boy coming May 1st, he said, is the uh, due date. Yep, and if anyone wants to see like the gender reveal videos, we have them all on my vlog channel, which is on YouTube. Um, it's my wife and I, Tasha Courtney and Dave Neal, do fun things. And then, uh, yeah, all of the entertainment news updates, including Jane Doe and everything else, will be on the morning Bachelor Rush Hour. So that's what that's what I'll be doing. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention, the fact that, you know, after I don't know how many years you've been in L.A., but you guys have decided to make the move. You're moving to Nashville. You'll be in Nashville in, in January. Can you briefly just... Briefly talk about what, what went into the move. Was it just, you know, L.A., the pricing of housing and what you get for your dollar out there versus what you get for your dollar in Nashville? What was the reason for the move? I wanted to be closer to Caitlin Bristow. <laughs> you'd be, so you'd be just no. popping in on her studio at any time you want. No, but to be, to be quite fair, when I flew into Nashville in May to do her podcast, I had a few days where I did some stand-up shows and some driving with Dave's. I got a good vibe of the city, and – it's um it's close uh, obviously uh, the baby once we found out we were pregnant and we found out pretty early um you know once we found out we were pregnant um i we knew we needed to be closer to family and tennessee is a much uh it's a if, when you're creating your own content and working for yourself you you know you don't have state income tax and housing prices are still way more affordable than out here so it, it'll be nice to be uh, closer to home tasha's uh, family's in kentucky and um you know, who, who knows how long we'll stay there, but yeah, we're super excited. Um, uh, we're going to have, you know, we're going to basically go from a tiny two bedroom apartment to like a four bedroom house. So it'll be a completely different vibe and room for the baby stuff and all of that good, good stuff. So we're, we're just excited to finally upgrade. And you're going to vlog the drive out there, right? You're going to give us an update in every state. Make make sure you let us know when you're in Arizona and when you drive by Jane Doe's house, let us know that, you know. I'm sure that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be that'll be in the court papers. Uh, <laughs> I'm moving in, Jane. Uh no, yeah, I'm going to be driving I guess like a 26-foot U-Haul with a Prius attached to it. So, I'm going to have the wife in the electric car. I think her, I think uh, my father-in-law might help us with the drive because I mean I really don't want her to drive by herself. You know she's not that pregnant, but you know she's it's you know but it's going to be tough because we got to get a lot of stuff moved across the country. Yeah. And um, I, you know I was so jealous when I saw Caitlin Bristow moved this week because she gets to use like a company that's like black tie movers and <laughs> no by all means like good for her she can afford it but she's like you know probably didn't have to lift a Tupperware and you know I I'm dying to see what her new place looks like because. When I went to her other place, it already, I mean, she bought it before the boom in Nashville. So she already was like very smart with her finances as far as getting in before the boom. I can only imagine the, the palatial estate she's in now. And be, I bet you it is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, because this is a house, like you said, she bought, this is a house she bought during the Sean Booth relationship because she has said, like, I've been through two long-term relationships in this house so this is something that she bought very early on before she took off so i'm sure you, i mean you've seen the house while it was nice i guarantee because it was before all of this all before spade and sparrows before she started doing tours for her you know her podcast and stuff like that the open open mic podcast or the live podcast and stuff and how she's taken off um yeah, I can only imagine because she's made a lot more oh, money yeah. since then. 
when I when I went to her house, like I didn't I didn't really know her at all. And, you know, you, you talk to you always talk to like the assistant, you get let in by, you know, and then I'm just like, oh, oh man. And, and I'll tell you what, she was as cool. She's as cool of a cat. Just fucking, you know, like her and I would just be we would be like friends at the bar. She's she really is such a cool chick and, you know, gave me a nice tour of the place. At that point, people were starting to ask about her and Jason. He was there. He was super friendly, like, you know what I mean? Just from some outsider that she would let into her home, all I can say are good things about her. You know, I know, I know, you know, she's, she's doing things right in the sense that some love her, some hate her. And that's kind of what you want to be if you're going to be like big in this community. But I just look at her as someone who is full blown, took advantage of every opportunity. She's such a hustler and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her. Yeah, she's probably, I mean, I think we can agree. She's the biggest success story of any any Bachelor Nation contestant post-show, I think. Her and Rachel Lindsay are probably one and two in terms of what they've been able to do with their careers post-show not revolving around The Bachelor as much. Caitlin does cover Bachelor stuff. We get it. She does do recaps, and Rachel's kind of distanced herself. But in terms of what they've been able to do in their career post-show, Caitlin's one, and Rachel is either – one B or number two, but they're, those are probably the two best ones. Yeah. If I had to like shark tank invest in someone, I would invest in, in Caitlin because she just like, she's in target making sure her bottles are front row. Like she's just a hustler. And it's because when, you know, when I interviewed her on driving with Dave, we talked a lot about this, but like she dated a hockey player in Europe where she couldn't make any money. She was stuck in financial situations where she was broke. Like she's not letting this go. Um, I just, you know, if, you know, if I, we're having a boy, but if I had a daughter, I would want that energy that she has this kind of just like figure it out on your own. It sucks that her relationships haven't worked out. I think she just needs to find the right guy that balances what she's got going on. And, um, I mean, she's like, yeah, she's, she's just continuing. I mean, she turned down that, that Morris show, which was paying $150,000. She just like, she's just, she's able to do her own thing, you know, and, um, gosh, who knows how much money she's printing out there. Well, I think the best thing you could say about her is she's a self-made woman and she's done this all on her own. Essentially. She's built her brand. Yes. She had a little bit of help because she was, you know, on Chris Soul season of The Bachelor and then became The Bachelorette. She did get Dancing with the Stars, but Dancing with the Stars was until five years after she was off the show, if not more. She's built everything on her own, and I give her all the credit in the world. I mean, it's I'll always, always be impressed uh, with someone who's a self-made person, and she's definitely... Well, you know, I said the same thing to Katie Thurston. I was like, look at Caitlin Bristow because... Caitlin Bristow was like a black sheep until she built her own thing. And the show had to like, the show had to mess with her. Like they had to respect her. And Kate and Katie was kind of the same way where she, the show kind of uh, threw her to the side after her season. And already the show's trying to invite her back. Now that Katie's proving to like be a valuable asset in the internet world. And that's kind of what you want. If you've been on the show to just be undeniable, don't need the show. And then the show's going to want you to come back. Yeah. And Caitlin, obviously leading the charge in that aspect. So Dave, again, thank you very much. Sorry. We went an extra five minutes there when I said we were done. Um, congratulations on everything. You can check Dave out on his YouTube channel. Uh, you can check him out on the bachelor rush hour podcast in the morning and evening. 
Dave, man, great to talk to you. Great for everyone to hear us talk since we have so many private conversations. Uh, obviously, we'll be in touch. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. You got it. Thanks again to Dave for coming on. I hope the first 40 minutes or so talking about Jane Doe, talking about the case, it's it was almost like a truncated version of all of his videos. Obviously, to go over everything that has happened and everything that we have seen and everything that we have been emailed by Jane Doe since this case became public, what, two months ago, it would take hours upon hours upon hours. We just don't have that time. So even trying to condense it into 40, 45 minutes, maybe it was the first 50 minutes of the podcast or whatever, uh, it was a it was a good 40 minutes spent on that. And um, you just realize what we're dealing with here. It is just absolute lunacy, to say the least. Anyway, go check Dave out on all of his channels. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Daily Roundup is up. It's been posted a couple hours ago. The Sports Daily is also up. So for Dave Neal, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.